Good morning, Cultivate Church, and welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you're tuned in with us today. And if you're tuning in for the very first time as our guest, we want you to know that we're excited that you're part of our online experience today. It's going to be an incredible day. Worship is going to be awesome, and you're going to be encouraged by the Word. So let's get ready, and let's worship together. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're in week two of a series we've titled Proverbial. Last week, we talked about a rolling stone gathers no moss. In week one and all month long, we're going to be talking about some proverbial sayings. We're going to be looking through the book of Proverbs. And here's what we think. There's never been a time maybe in our lives, in our generation, that we needed wisdom more than we do now. And I'm thankful, man, that we're not alone. We're not having to figure it out by ourselves, but God has given us his word. And in the book of Proverbs is where we're going to be all month long. And if you've got your notes, go ahead and click on the link there in the comments, or maybe you've printed them off already. Uh, Our theme verse is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. And this is giving us the reason why Proverbs, why do we need a book of wisdom? And it says their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. If there's ever been a time in our generation that we need help doing what's right, just, and fair, it's now. It's here. And last week, Pastor Brandon Matthews did an incredible job teaching us what it means what, did the, what does the phrase mean? A rolling stone gathers no moss. And if you, were, if you tuned in or maybe you can go back and tune in, I would encourage you to do that on demand. We discussed the value of digging in, building relationships, gaining influence, being planted where God has us in our lives. Come on, you know you have a sphere of influence that needs what God has given you. It needs the, the, the passion that he's given you, the purpose that he's given you. Maybe there are people in your sphere of influence that are gonna come to know Jesus because of what God has done in you. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Meaning this, that if you're just always moving, going from place to place, idea to idea, thing to thing, you really never stick around long enough to gather moss, to gain influence, to make a difference. And we know that God's called us all to make a difference. And we shared some practical wisdom last week on what that looks like. What are some steps uh, that I can take in my life to begin to gather moss and begin to make a difference in my sphere of influence? And we've talked about some proverbial sayings each week. I'll share some with you right now, some that we've all heard growing up at some point or another. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We've all heard that, and it's so true. Uh, Here's one. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Come on, you've heard that. You said that. Somebody said that this morning when they woke up. You got to do it yourself if you want it done right. I love this one. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. We've done that. We've seen that. I love this one too. It says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. This is so relevant in the last few months, right, in our own life. When the going gets tough, I don't know that any of us have ever been through a tougher season uh, than 2020. I'm not even going to say the last two months. I'm going to say the year, 2020. It's not, this has been a tough year for so many people. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I love this one as well. Two wrongs 
Come on, you just finished it. Don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, every time I read that, I hear my mom's voice. <laughs> She's told me that a lot of times. Hey, if, if Johnny jumped off a bridge, would you do it as well? I've heard that in my life. Two, Brandon, two wrongs don't make a right. This one's true as well. Lie down with dogs and you'll wake up with fleas. Lie down with dogs and you'll wake up with fleas. The last one I'll share with you, proverbial sayings, things we've always heard. Misery loves that's right. He loves company. We've heard so many of these sayings. I shared uh, with our Columbiana, our, our Alabaster campus last week. At my home, where I, where I grew up, my grandparents, they had a wall in their house that nowadays we would call them memes. They had signs, hundreds of them, all over their wall. And uh, one of my favorite ones on their wall was a little boy peeing into the wind. And it said, never pee into the wind. And I thought, you know what? That's great wisdom. That's, that's truth for today. Don't do that. And today, I want to talk with you about this proverbial saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. What does that even mean? A rising tide lifts all boats. Well, the phrase commonly uh, has been attributed to John F. Kennedy. He actually said it in a famous speech in 1963 where he was talking about the economy. And he was specifically talking about uh, one specific project that had a lot of um, a lot of favor on one side of the country, and then there were a lot of folks that might have been against it. And, and he said, listen, folks, a rising tide lifts all boats, meaning if, if he was talking about the economy. A good economy helps everyone. And in our context today, I want to talk about it in the, in the form of the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I believe. If there's ever been a time in our nation that we need revival, we need it now. Our churches need it. Come on, our families need it. We need it personally, individually. And today I want to talk to you in the context, a rising tide lifts all boats. And from Acts chapter 2, I'm going to point this out, and then we're going to move right into Proverbs chapter 4 today. But Acts chapter 2, verse 2 says this, that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. I'd encourage you to write that down. They were all in one accord and in one place. What does that mean? That their minds were focused on the same thing. Their hearts were pointed in the same direction. Their posture was looking the same. They wanted a move of God in their lives and in their city. And it goes on to say in verse two, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing of a mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And I love that because it, it was a suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where we know historically the Holy Spirit was given to the world. The local church was birthed, a rising tide, if you will. The power of the Holy Spirit began to move in a city and the church was born. And for the next couple of thousand years, here we are changing the world, the world being radically changed because the Holy Spirit was given. And it was a result of a people being of one mind, one heart, one spirit seeking the face of God. And I remember uh, if you read in Acts chapter two, that Peter had to stand up because people were confused in the city. Thousands began to gather because they began to see the result of the Holy Spirit being given in that moment. And he stood up and he began to preach and proclaim the gospel. He said to those people, this is a promise from the prophet Joel, where Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all 
flesh. And he began to pour out his spirit in Acts chapter 2 and continues to even do that today all over the world. And it says in chapter 2 verse 41 that after Peter had spoken that those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 people in a matter of moments began to see and understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And if you read, continue in Acts chapter 2 and 3, you know that they continued daily to add people to the church because there was a rising tide and it was lifting all boats and it was changing lives and people were being healed and lives were being restored. And I want you to know that today, that same thing can happen in our lives. Revival happens in a city when the Holy Spirit is given his proper place. We're in a place in our country where we need the power of the Holy Spirit now more than ever. Only when we come together in one mind, one accord, can we actually be postured appropriately for the Lord to do what only he can do. In that moment, Come on, just a few nights ago, we gathered with our city in one mind, in one accord. We lifted up the name of Jesus at Larry Simmons Stadium here in Alabaster. And man, I'm telling you, we began to see, we took a step forward and seeing the power of the Holy Spirit begin to mold and shift and shape hearts for revival. My prayer is that it began a work in us. It began a step of something inside of us that we said, you know what, we're, maybe we're done with complacency. Maybe we're done with kind of just moving with every wind that blows. But Father, as a, as a city, as a people, we are uh, every color, come on, across denominational lines, churches, the local church. Father, we're in one accord seeking your face. We want revival for our county, for our city. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to give you what I think are some very practical steps of wisdom that are going to help us posture our hearts continually to be able to see revival in our city and across our nation. So let's pray together. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and real and breathing. Thank you that it is for us. It is for our inspiration. It is to correct us. It is to guide us and show us the way. As we open your word today in the book of Proverbs, help us to know what is just, right, and fair. Teach us today to live successful lives and disciplined lives so that we can see you move in our hearts. We turn from our ways. We repent. God, we're turning to you. Heal our land. Heal our family so that we can live a life on purpose that honors you. You'll get all the honor out of our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, rising with the tide. How do we rise with the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives? Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to run from sin. We need to run from sin. Proverbs chapter four, really the very first part of that chapter, the entire part, first part of that chapter is him explaining that to uh, Solomon, explaining it to his son. And we're gonna pick up in verse 14 and 15. And here, here's what he says. Don't do as the wicked do. Don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. 
Here's what I've learned in my own faith journey, that you can't dabble in sin and eventually not suffer the consequence. It talks about it specifically in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. It says, can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not get burned? Can he walk on hot coals and not have blistered feet? What does that mean? We can't surround ourselves in the moment, in the place where sin is present and not get hurt, not face the consequences of it. We live in a culture that really says, I'm above that. I'm more mature than that. Or I'm not going to, that's not going to affect me. Or I can dabble in this and I can play around with that. And it's no big deal. But can I tell you as in humanity, none of us are strong enough to be around it and play with it and be, and, and be in the vicinity of it and it be okay and not be, not suffer the consequences of it. We all know, we've all got stories in our own life. Come on, uh, you, were, you were told not to touch the stove, but you just had to do it anyway, right? And you touched the stove and you realized that that was what? It was hot. Well, you know, your mama already said it was hot. But you didn't want to, you didn't believe her. You couldn't believe it until you had already done it. Over and over again in Proverbs, we see Solomon say, son, learn from my mistakes. You don't have to touch the flame. You don't have to heap the coals in your lap and be burned. You don't have to walk across hot coals. I've already done it. I've already been there. You will get blisters. It will hurt. Come on, how many times in our life have we been told something was going to harm us? There was going to be a consequence to a decision that we made, but we did it anyway and realized that's hot. That hurts. Those consequences aren't good. And we could have not suffered those consequences if we ran, avoided sin. I'm going to give you some steps. You ready? How to avoid sin. These are extra. These aren't in your notes. Go ahead and write these down. This is a, uh, we're going to follow along with the bottom half of the, uh, of, of the passage in Proverbs chapter four. He says, don't even think about it. What does he say? Don't even think about it. Verse 15. What does that look like? Here's what I say. Don't allow your mind to dwell on things that are contrary to the truth of God's word. Don't allow your minds to dwell on things that are contrary to the truth of God's word. Here's what that means. We wake up, we live in a society, we live in a culture where we are literally inundated with every voice of opinion known to man. Not only do we hear it all, it is, it is, it's, we're inundated with it. We wake up every day, most people in our country, we probably wake up and one of the first things, if not the first thing that we do with our lives is we begin to consume more information. We pick up our phones or we pick up our devices, our iPad, and we begin to see what we missed the night before while we were sleeping, right? You're on Twitter or Facebook or social media of some way and, and you're consuming opinions of people. And, 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 and in this day and age, we're consuming opinions of, of self-proclaimed experts and a lot of things. But we allow ourselves, our minds to dwell on those things. And many times we never weigh those things in the balance of God's word. So I'm hearing all of this information from this side and all of this information from this side. And a lot of times we allow our emotions to, our emotions to be attached to someone's opinion or someone's thought process and we forget to weigh it against the word of God. Well, what does God's word say about this opinion or that opinion? Or that opinion? The world has a million alternative solutions to every issue. But as followers of Jesus, we realize that only the truth of God's word really will actually work. So don't even think about it. 
What does that mean? It means anything, any, any thought of opinion or wind that blows, I need to weigh it against the word of God. And if it doesn't stack up against God's word, I don't even need to give it real estate in my mind. How to avoid sin, don't even think about it. The next one I'd give you is don't go that way. He said, don't think about it. In verse 15, he says, don't go that way. What does that mean? Here's what it means to me. It means that I'm not gonna place myself in an environment in which I'll be tempted to say yes to sin. Let that sink in a moment, write that down. Don't place yourself in an environment in which you'll be tempted to say yes to sin. It's not worth it and you are not strong enough. I've said this in the past to our church. Listen, you, if you're dating right now, you're single, you're dating with someone, listen, don't sit on the couch too long in the home by yourself. Go on group dates. Don't place yourself in environments where you'll be tempted to say yes to sin. Jesus was the son of God and he knew. He didn't place himself in environments in which he would be tempted to say yes to sin. If you stay on that couch too long, you're going to sin. How about this? Don't, don't get on the internet late at night when your family, when your spouse, when everybody's sleeping and you're tempted to click on websites that maybe you would not be tempted to click on if someone else was looking. Stay off of the telephone when everyone else is trying to pass around gossip of what's going on in your church or in the town or around you or, or in your sphere of influence. Don't place yourself in environments in which you're tempted to sin. Don't go that way. Remind yourself, hey, this is a wrong, this is a one-way street. I'm going the wrong way. Don't place yourself in those environments. I love it. It goes on. He says, turn away and keep on moving. Turn away and keep on moving. What are you doing to keep moving? How about this? Some of us need to delete some friends from our phone right now. Come on, some of us need to delete some people in our lives because they have stopped us from moving. They have allowed us. We have placed ourselves according to our, our friendships. My mom used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. My mom used to tell me that and you've heard that before. You surround yourself with people and environments of people that, that either produce something in you that's good or they draw and drag you down. Maybe you need to delete some friends from your phone. Some of you, you need to change your routines. Some of us have some unhealthy routines in our lives and it places us in the wrong place at the wrong time often. And we are placed in situations in which we're tempted to say yes because we have bad routines, maybe lazy routines, or maybe we don't even have a routine. And idle ground is the devil's playground, right? Idle hands are the devil's playground. You need to change your routine. Some of us need to pick up some new community. Some of us need to pick up some accountability. We need to place people in our lives. They're gonna help us to keep moving in the right direction. Some of us need people in our lives to tell us that we're going the wrong way. Don't go that way. You're in the wrong part, of, you're in the wrong area. You need to stop. You're doing the, I see, where, I see what you're doing. I see which way you're going. How many people have you placed in your life? You've given, a, you've given uh, authority in your life to hold you accountable in the ways that you're going, the direction that you're moving. Come on, we need to run from sin. Number two, if you're taking notes, we need to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. I would encourage you, this is a great verse to memorize. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Let's take two seconds inside. Let's let that sink in. Guard your heart above all else. Why? 
because it determines the course of your life. There, are, there is the word of God and then there are parts of the word of God that, that carry heavy weight and this is a big part of it, uh, a massive weight. My heart determines the course of my life. Well, here's, what it, here's, here's reality. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter nine, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. It says this in, in, in Luke chapter six, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your heart determines, if your heart is deceitful and it determines, why is that? Here's why I think we, the, the, the word even says the heart is deceitful. I think the heart is deceitful because the heart is so easily deceived. Let that, think about that for a moment. The heart is deceitful because the heart is so easily deceived. And that's why we see often in scripture, and it's so imperative that in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, we see where it says, above all else, guard your heart. The devotion of my heart matters more than anything else. And the reality is our hearts are so easily deceived. My life always moves in the direction of the devotion of my heart. The direction of my life will always be in the, uh, uh, in the direction of the devotion of my heart. So if my heart is so easily deceived, what does that mean? It means often many of us are so easily offended. We so easily allow our hearts to be offended. We carry our emotions on our sleeves and on our shoulders and we allow our heart to be shifted and tugged and moved and pushed and, mo- and, and constantly placed in an area where the enemy can attack it. Am I constantly placing my heart in the middle of a spiritual war zone where it's open season for the enemy? Or am I committed to guarding it, to guarding it, knowing that it determines the course of my life? And when I say guard your heart, I'm not saying shut everybody out. I'm not saying pull away from community so so that no one can get in. I'm saying that you need to tactfully guard what you allow your heart to experience. So here's how you guard your heart. Are you ready? Number one, you need to give people the benefit of the doubt. That one's huge. You need to give people the benefit of the doubt, meaning don't be so easily offended. You all, in the last couple of months, we've probably got people in our lives that have said something or posted something, or man, there's been a political uh, conversation and you didn't know that maybe they thought that way or they, they acted that way and you've allowed your heart to be offended based on what someone has posted or based on what someone has said. Hey, forget about that we're in a pandemic the world has never seen before and we're all, in, uh, we're all walking through a season of life that we're having to learn to navigate together and we have allowed our hearts to be offended over social media posts. We've allowed our hearts to be offended over a bad attitude in somebody's life for one day or another, depending on how we all woke up on that side of the bed. And I would encourage you, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Everybody just go, take a deep breath and let it out. Let it go. Let's give people the benefit of the doubt. That's guarding your heart. That's saying I'm not gonna be easily offended. The next one is you would, I would encourage you to choose to be positive. That's going to have to be a decision that you make because there's going to be days, especially in the year that we've all seen, there are days where just naturally we would not be positive. Come on, you turn on the news for two seconds in the last five months and it's not a, there's not very much positive to be shown. There's not very much positive to be seen. But if I'm going to choose to be positive today, you know what, it's not a good day. I've seen some bad things, but I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose a positive outlook. 
I'm going to be a glass half full, not glass half empty. We're going to choose to be an answer to the negativity in our world around us. And then the third one I would encourage you, how do I guard my heart, is you need to refuse to stay offended. You know, there's not very much you can do in the heat of a moment when something is said or a decision is made or something is done and it offends you. There's not much you can do in that moment when offense happens. But when it can walk into sin and when it can begin to take uh, advantage of the direction of your heart and deceive your heart in that moment is when you choose to stay offended. Part of not staying offended is giving someone the benefit of the doubt, choosing to be positive. You can say, man, that hurt, but I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to pray. It's hard to stay offended with somebody that you're praying for. It's hard to stay angry at somebody that you're lifting up in front of Jesus. So Father, in the moment, in this moment, it was offensive, but God, I pray you bless them. I pray you lift them up. I pray your favor is on them. You're encouraged. You're going to be an encouraging person. You're going to guard your heart. Number three, if you're taking notes, this one's huge. Calm your mouth. Proverbs 24, the very next verse. 23, guard your heart. 24, avoid perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. You need to write this down. What I say in every sphere matters. What I say verbally, it matters. What I say digitally, it matters. What I say physically, my body language, that matters. Proverbs 18 and 21, I love this verse. You wanna write that reference down. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those that love it will eat of its fruit. Come on, is your tongue a life-giving tree bearing, bearing positive life-giving fruit? Or is it a poisonous tree that, that's, bre- that's breeding death, de- uh, that's, uh, that's breeding a death tree, fruit that's, breeding, that's putting death in people's lives? Are you producing life or death? As a follower of Jesus, am I a life-given medicine to my sphere of influence, bringing healing and hope? Or am I a life-threatening poison, pushing people to their graves spiritually, relationally, and emotionally? I'm gonna give you a filter that you, need to, that you need to begin to filter your speech through. This is for all of, this is good, good wisdom for all of us. Are you ready? Number one, is it life-giving? Is what I'm about to post, is that life-giving? Before I push send, is this going to be life-giving to someone that's going to see it in, in the universe? It's never gonna come back. Once you, once you let it go, once you say it, once you post it, it's out there. Is it life-giving? Number two, is it constructive or destructive? Come on, maybe it's not necessarily, maybe, it, maybe it's a, 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 a word that stings a little bit. You know, Proverbs says, a wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Maybe it's something that stings, but if, if it's gonna sting, is it building up or is it tearing down? Is it constructive or is it destructive? And will what I say add value to the situation I'm speaking to? If it's not going to add value, I'm going to choose to not speak into it. What I say matters, and we are held accountable to the words. We say Jesus said in, in the Gospels, he says on the, in the last days at, at judgment, we will be held accountable to every idle word we say. Here's what, he, what does he mean by that, every idle word we say. It means we need to think before we speak. We need to filter. We need to become, we need to develop a practice as followers of Jesus of filtering what we think through these filters before we say it. 
because it matters. The world is watching. And I'm going to tell you, when the world sees us speak, they're going to filter it through our proclamation to be followers of Jesus. So is it life-giving? Is it constructive or destructive? Is it going to add value? The world doesn't need another opinion. Come on, we all need the world needs, we all know the world needs a little more medicine. It doesn't need your opinion. It doesn't need your political opinion. It doesn't need our medical, it doesn't need our opinion on social media or in our families. They need medicine. They need somebody. Your sphere of influence has enough opinion from the rest of the world. They need you to speak some life into them. Come on, follower of Jesus. We need to be, we need to be speaking life into our sphere of influence. Let's use whatever platform the Lord has given us, ever how small or ever how large, to always be found speaking life into people. We need to calm our mouths. Come on, we're posturing ourselves for the tide to rise, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in our community. We're gonna calm our mouths and we're gonna be found speaking life into every situation. And then number four, if you're taking notes, we need to fix our eyes. We need to fix our eyes. He goes on, he continues in the very next verse in Proverbs chapter four. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Verse 27, don't get sidetracked. Come on, church, let's not, let's not jump on every wind that blows. Don't get sidetracked. Here's the question I would ask you. What's your vision? Another way to communicate that is, what are you seeing right now in your life? Look out spiritually over the course of your life. What are you seeing? For us, our family has committed to this vision. We will give our lives away so that people could know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. We filter our lives through what we see. And we see a community that needs to know Jesus. We see a community that needs to understand the power of his resurrection. We see a county, a city that's, that, that are, that's filled with many people who don't know who Jesus is. And, and we see an opportunity ahead of us. So we filter our decisions through it. What's your vision? Come on, what do you see in your life in the sphere of influence God has given you? It's kind of like uh, a horse, a racehorse with blinders on. My uncle used to race horses and used to train horses up in Iowa. And, and I remember visiting them once and he would always make sure to put the blinders on the horse. And he told me as a young kid, he'd say, Brandon, if we don't put these blinders on that horse, will go every direction that he sees, anything that gathers his attention. But if we put these little bitty blinders on that keeps his face front and center so that he can see and focus on what he's doing. Come on, some of us, maybe, maybe we need to adjust the blinders in this season right now. Maybe maybe they've been knocked a little crooked by, by culture and by society around us, and rightfully so. Come on, we've never seen the season of life that many of us are walking through in this day and age. But maybe some of us today would commit to readjust those blinders blinders and we would fix our eyes on the things of God and we would we would trust in Jesus so many people I know are walking through life with zero clue of what their purpose is come on they're spinning their wheels day in and day out what value are you living your life by today I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus let's not get sidetracked and let's see God do more in us and through us than we could ask dream or imagine I want to pray with you. Will you close your eyes, bow your heads?
Maybe you're tuning in today from wherever you are and you would say, Brandon, man, today a rising tide lifts all boats. I need a touch from God in my life. I need Jesus to do something special in me. Man, I'm hurting. I believe it. There are people that are hurting right now. I believe there's people in the sound of my voice right now tuning in who are ready to give up, who are struggling. Man, there's depression has set in, anxiety has set in, anger, bitterness. Come on, I want to tell you today, there's a God in heaven that loves you more than you dream or more than you could ever know. He loves you. The Bible says that he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross so that we could have relationship with him. So he went, he died on that cross and came back to life three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that today you would have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And I wanna lead you in that prayer right now where you are. Maybe you're here and you need to fix your eyes. Come on, you need to fix your thoughts. You need Jesus to do something in your life. I wanna lead you right where you are. Say, Father, Father, forgive me of my sins. I commit to follow you as Lord of my life. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. God, calm my mouth. Guard my heart. Help me to run from sin. God, I'm posturing my life right now so that I can live a life on purpose that honors you so that we can begin to see the tide of revival rise up in our city and in our families and we can see you do more than we could ever dream or imagine. We thank you today for your kindness, for your goodness, and for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please follow the link in the comments or send us an email at info at cultivatechurch.tv. We are celebrating with you. We wanna send you some information on some next steps in your faith journey. And I would encourage you as you're feeling more comfortable, we are gathering physically at our locations at Alabaster 9, 10, 15 and 1130 and at Columbiana 9 and 1015. We can't wait to see you soon. Thanks so much for being a part of Church Online today. If you made a decision to give your heart and your life to Jesus today, we want to celebrate with you. I would love for you to send us an email at info at cultivatechurch.tv or press the link there in the comments and let us know about your decision. We would love to send you some information just to celebrate and give you some next steps on your journey. And we also want to be praying for you. If you call Cultivate Church home, we're going to take just a moment and do what we do every week and enter into a moment of giving. There are three easy ways on the screen for you to give. And we want you to know that because of your generosity and obedience to God's word, you're making a difference. We are better together. And I want to remind us all that for those of you who are still getting back to normal, we are meeting in all of our locations in Alabaster 9, 10, 15, and 11, 30, and in Columbiana 9 and 10, 15. We've got safe, fun environments, and we would love to see you in person. Have a great week.